If you have your Bibles, let's take them out and let's open to Acts chapter eight, verses 25 to 40. We're in a series we're calling Plan A. It's about the church. The book of Acts shows us that the church, local congregations all over the globe, it's God's plan A. When we began this study some months ago, you remember Acts chapter 1A? That's, that verse is the verse of Acts. It outlines the whole story that we'll read in 28 chapters, if you'll recall it. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness. You, Christians, will be the ones who tell others about me. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were, in Judea and Samaria. You leave Jerusalem, boom, you're in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. There's no end on that arrow. It's to the farthest reaches of the globe. Chapters one through seven, Jerusalem. Chapters eight through 12, Judea, Samaria. Chapters 13 to 28, the farthest reaches of the world is at that time, it, the gospel goes all the way to Rome. Two weeks ago, Rob did an amazing job uh, bringing, bringing us into this first kind of movement out of Jerusalem in the verse, first part of uh, chapter eight. And you'll recall, he showed us that the reason the church left Jerusalem, now Jesus said you need to go, but they weren't going. And so the reason they left was what? What's the word? What happened in Jerusalem that caused him to leave? You all tell me. Some persecution, yeah, persecution. You remember Rob said, it, uh, Paul, Saul, who will become the apostle Paul, goes around trying to stomp it out. And uh, it's not a bad picture, you know, when, if you've ever had a fire or, you know, somewhere you didn't have any, have any water, you know, how do you put, throw dirt on it, but then you stomp on it, you know? And so, so Saul is stomping, every time he sees a Christian, he stomps on him. And what happens when you stomp on the fire with your feet? The, the part does go out, but what happens also? What flies up? Little ashes and embers, right? And remember, a great illustration, he said that the bellows, that you know, we gather, we, and then we scatter, and boy, the church, is, the church is being scattered by persecution in that first part. Now, here's a question I have for you. Um, okay, persecution got it out of Jerusalem. How is it gonna go to the ends of the earth? Because they're, they're not done. Y'all, if we thought about it like this, Persecution, if, if, if Nashville was Jerusalem, where the, let's say the church started there, uh, and persecution came, and so the apostles, or not the apostles stayed, but the, the disciples went out and the gospel, the news of the good news of Jesus got to Mur Murfreesboro. That's wonderful, but um, who's gonna take it to, you know, not Knoxville or not Charlotte, but who's gonna take it to Europe? Who's gonna take it to Africa? Who's gonna take it to the Far East? You see, it's gotta go to the world. How is that gonna happen? Is it gonna be persecution? Well, some ways, but it's a huge question. So the text is actually gonna answer the question. How, how is God gonna take it beyond, you know, Murfreesboro to the world? And I'll say this, the answer to that question, if we grasp it, will change your life and mine more than if we listen to a lifetime of sermons. Like I, I put myself out of a job, I'm telling you, and I'm not exaggerating. If we get this, you will not leave here. I don't know what your expectations are today, but you won't leave here. If you get this, you won't leave here the same person that you came in. 
Acts 8, 25 to 40, it's a story. It's a wonderful story with a bow around it, as we'll see. It has three parts. It has a messenger, a message, and a miracle. I'm using M's, you know, to help us here. Uh, it's a messenger, verses 25 to 31. It is a message, that's uh, 32 to 35, and then it's, it's a miracle, and that will be 36 to 40. By way of context, because I want us to make sure we're contextually grabbing this, Saul stomps the church in Jerusalem. The ashes fly out. The story follows Philip, who's known as an evangelist. Philip, he ends up in Samaria. He's north of Jerusalem here, and he's north of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. He's having a, a very successful campaign, if you will. People are coming to faith in Christ. The apostles send Peter and John to check it out, to verify it. And now they are, I'm not going to go into all the details of the rest of that chapter, but now they are on their way back. They're on their way from Judea back to Jerusalem in the south here, and they're going to report all that has happened. And I want you to pick up the story because something happens that no one saw coming. Verse 25, this is the messenger. Follow along in your Bibles. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and he went and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. We'll stop there. Um, Luke takes pains, does he not, as I read that, to tell us that this is a desert road. What do you mean a desert road? Well, the sense of this is deserted, isolated, desolate, uninhabited. Um, on this desert road, there just happened to be, actually, you know what? It's, it wasn't deserted. There happened to be an Ethiopian eunuch who was leaving Jerusalem and he's going south and he's heading back to, to, to Africa. Uh, he had been in Jerusalem worshiping. He's not a believer and he's probably not a proselyte. He's, he's a God-fearer. And he's making his way back to Africa. Ethiopia, by the way, in our text, you all, is modern-day Sudan. I get tickled at this because I think, you know, I've been there and I go, boy, the gospel was there a long time before I ever got there. This man's a Sudanese man. He's the finance minister of the queen. Candace is not her name. It's not a proper name. Candace is more like Pharaoh or Caesar. It's a, it's a title. But this is, the, this is the secretary of the treasury of this nation. 
Um, the word chariots also translated carriage. And by the way, get that picture in your head. This is a carriage, four wheels, probably two oxen. Ba-dum, 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 you know, bumping along. He's, he's clearly got a driver. Um, he's, he's, he's reading and, and no doubt he has a bit of an entourage, you know, heads of state, you know, like today and that day, they don't travel alone on a, a trip like this. And at this moment, um, Philip, you know, he, the, he said, go to the road. He went to the road. When he got to the road, the, 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 you know, first it was an angel. Now it says the Holy Spirit gave him some direct instruction and said, go up to this chariot. Uh, when he got beside the chariot, he heard a man reading. And he knew that the man was reading Isaiah 53, 7. Now, in these days, you all, reading aloud was very common. You know, you and I don't get on the bus or the plane or the train and start reading out loud. No, we don't do that. But in that day, reading, they did their reading aloud in part because you know, it's in the, the Hebrew text here is on a scroll. It's like he's reading, someone said a piece of wall, you know, a sheet of wallpaper <laughs> unrolled a little bit. There's no punctuation. There's no punctuation. And so they would read aloud because it slowed you down so that you can understand what you're reading. So very common for him to be reading aloud. Now, go to the road, go to that chariot. And at this point, there's no angel, there's no Holy Spirit, it's just Philip. And man, I had a whole section in here on the will of God that I'll do some other time, but think about it. He was directed, he was directed, and at some point it was just him. It was just him, and he says, uh, do you understand what you're reading? The Spirit didn't tell him out loud that we know, he just, he heard it and he said, what, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand? And then uh, next thing you know, that <laughs> Philip, is sitting in the carriage of the treasurer of Ethiopia and he wants him to explain a passage from Isaiah. Now, I just want us to stop right there and just go, what? <laughs> can, you believe, can you believe that this story is happening? Well, it is, but it's one of those like, what? What's the likelihood if I told you, you know, or God did or whatever, said, I want you to go out and I, and I want you to go out on I-40 West. That's all the direction you had. That's all the direction you had. And so you go out there. I don't know where you, what mile mark you're at or not, but you're out there and you're standing there. And next thing you know, a car pulls over and a guy gets out and he walks over to you and he is the secretary of finance of Brazil. And he walks up to you and he says, I just read this verse in the Bible, John 3.16. Could you explain it to me? That's what happened here. You know, it's incredulous. Like, holy moly. I mean, what's going on? Well, there's the messenger. He gets the, God gets the messenger where he needs to be. Uh, and it only gets more strange with the message. Look at this, verse 32. Now the passage, the particular passage of scripture which he was reading was this. It's Isaiah 53, seven. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth in humiliation. His judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation for his life is removed from the earth? The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. I wanna stop again and just feel this. Can you believe what this 
says just happened. That Philip goes from north of Jerusalem to south of Jerusalem to a road, and he happens to be at the right place on that road that a chariot's going by, and the Spirit says, go to that chariot, and at that moment, the guy is reading Isaiah 53, 7, and he's, you understand what you're reading there, and the guy says, I don't, will you come up and explain it to me? I'm telling you, this is unbelievable. Now, what, how many passages could this man have unrolled on that scroll? What other verses could he have been reading? A thousand others? Now, if he was reading Isaiah 53, 7, let's assume that what he was reading before Philip heard him was what? What verse would he have been reading? Isaiah 53, and he was probably reading what before that? And let me read to you Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. He was despised and stricken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Verse six, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Then verse seven, are you kidding me? What are the odds? And it says, Philip opened his mouth. Now, you know, normally I think it would simply say Philip said, but why does he say Philip opened his mouth? Because in my, in my way of seeing this, Philip's mouth is already open. Like, what? You know, but he opened his mouth. And in the Bible, you know, it's used sparingly, but it says someone opened their mouth. What usually follows is a pretty serious prophetic word, okay? What's more serious and telling this man about Jesus, nothing. There's no more, no more serious word. And he goes on to give him an explanation of the person and the work of Jesus. Can I tell you that when I became a Christian, and I was 18, uh, um, you know, I just I put, had I genuinely put my faith in Christ. From that moment till today, I am a Christian who is afraid to share their faith. This is me. Um, I've always felt it awkward and just nervous or scared to just tell someone about Jesus. I'm telling you, that's true of me today, you know? You may wanna fire me, I don't know, but it's true. I, I, when I'm doing, it's easier for me to stand here with you and to, you know, to, to, to teach the Bible and say, you all, this is the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and raised again. And to be a Christian is to put your trust in what Jesus has done. Will you believe? Like I can do this to the, to the group, but put me outside the walls and somewhere, you know, and I am not the guy that gets on the plane and is looking for the person next to me. I'm just not that person, you know? And uh, so I've always struggled with that. And part of it is, you know, I'm just, I'm afraid, uh, I'm afraid I won't have the answer. Y'all, I've been to seminary and I'm still afraid I won't have the answer. So I'm just telling you, you'll never get over that. I don't think, you know, um, or I'm afraid that uh, this is, God is my witness. I, I, I feel like, you know, they'll think I'm weird. They'll just think it's, golly, you're so narrow, you know, or so I, so I don't, um, I, won't, I won't do that. Now, let me tell you something that I've learned over the years and I've been reminded of it <clears throat> in this story. And it would be this related to, to, to sharing our faith. Um, 
sharing our faith is more about being curious than it is really being courageous. It's about being curious. I would say it's more about being available than it is having all the answers. Uh, I would say most importantly, it's about what God says, not what I say. Even as the story reinforces, he, he just said, he, he said it started with this scripture and he just said, this is what the Bible says. And it's really about what God says. Um, I am convinced, and the story just reminded me again, that one of the most powerful tools you and I have to help people in the process of putting their faith in Christ is not what we say to them as much as it is what we ask. Now, uh, Lisa and I have three kids. They all drive. Uh, we got a fleek. Some of you dads have more than this. Dads and moms have more than this in your family. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at Brad. They have six kids, so we got three. You got a bigger fleet than I do. Um, and like you, you know, our, all five cars are no cars under 140,000 miles is fine. That's why we do it. And, and uh, but that means they got to be, you know, maintained. And I don't, I'm not a maintainer of cars, but uh, if you notice, those of you, you know, have like stuff like this, or even your home, you ever notice that things go wrong in, in uh, waves? It's like, wow, everything's fine all of a sudden. And then everything just kind of goes, it's like, why are these cars breaking me? And uh, so I'm trying to keep up with this stuff. Over the holidays, two kids from college are home. I got, I got the whole fleet in. And so I'm gonna try and get it maintenance taken care of and I'll take it in. And I, I, I'll take it to Moody's down on Columbia Avenue. And um, that week, this week in the holidays, I was in there three times in like four or five days. I'm, I'm just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so the last time I was in there, I, I was talking to Randy, who's having to be a guy that waits on me a lot. And, and I said to him, I said, Randy, I really like you. And now before I could finish what I was saying, he said, he said well, thank you, Lloyd, I like you too. And, but, but before I could finish what I was saying, because what I said is, Randy, I really like you, but we're way too close for you being the mechanic. I, I, I don't need to be this close to a mechanic. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like I don't need to be this close to somewhere I'm always taking something that's broken. And we got a kick out of that, we laughed, whatever. And then we, he, I got in a car uh, with one of the workers to take me home because I had to leave a car. An older gentleman, and, and we got in the car, and I'm telling you guys, again, I told you, I'm not always the one to go in, you know, I'm gonna share my faith with this guy, but I, I just was sitting in the car driving home. I don't know what I was thinking about, probably something at work, and I realized I did not get my, key, my keys. I left the whole set of keys, and I have to have keys to get in my office. And so we're about a mile from Moody's, and I, and I thought, I can go all the way home, then I gotta drive back, get a car, drive back, or I can ask this guy to turn around. And we hadn't said a word to each other the whole time, and I'm a little nervous to ask him to do this. And finally, I just went, you know, heck, I'm... Sir, I need you to turn around and go back to Moody's. I I left my whole set of keys. He did not say a word. He just applied the brakes. He turned around and headed back to Moody's. It was ice cubes in that car all the way back to Moody's. I kid you not. And I'm just kind of going, oh, okay, you know. And then I run in, I get the keys, I come back out. And I, first thing I get in the car and I say, sir, I want to say thanks. I, I want you to know you didn't have to come back and... I want to say thank you for bringing me back and I'm sorry for the inconvenience that I've caused you. Nothing. <laughs> we just start driving. Now, this is me. This is my flesh. So at this point, it goes from I've inconvenienced him to, well, heck, man, he needs to, he needs to recognize my dadgum apology. <laughs> and it, I'm thinking this, I'm going, I'm about to tell him, like, look, 
I, I apologize. Do you, I'm, I am not lying. This is me. This is what I do, you know, ask my kids. And so I, I'm about to, and then I, and I come back, and I just go, mm. and, and the next thing came in my mouth is something along the lines of, man, I bet you've seen this place change a lot over the years. And I'm telling you from that moment, boom, he starts talking about Franklin, how it's changed and he's a, because he's an older gentleman. And somehow we, he says something about going to heaven and whatever. And I go, I go, are you sure you, and I just, he just said, I'm talking about going to heaven. I said, are you sure you're going to heaven? And by this time we're like buddies. And he said, he said, well, I think I'm going to heaven, but you know, I still do some things. And so I'm like, I literally, my energy's like this. I'm going, are you kidding me? Come on, you, you, you don't know? Well, I'd still do some bad things. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I'm just having a great conversation. I said, look, when Jesus said it's finished, doesn't that mean it's finished? Well, I don't, no, listen, if Jesus said it's finished, you know, and I just start going through this thing and I'm just saying it's grace. It's not what we do, it's what Jesus has done. And I'm meeting Lisa and Susan at the Kroger in Franklin. He's gonna drop me off there and I'm gonna get Susan's car. And he drives past Kroger to the parking area and, and he does not want to drop me off and we are going to finish this conversation. I, it's not me. I've already told you that's not me, but I, it was amazing, you know, and I got to, I got to reaffirm. I just t- told him about Jesus, you know, and it was a lot of energy in it by that point because I was pretty amazed at what was going on. Well, we have been praying as a church that people we know and don't know would come to faith in Jesus and I'm convinced we need to be praying, but I, I really believe that people will come to faith and they will do so, I think, when we begin to pay attention to who God puts right in front of us. So that's that availability part. It's, it's, um, we can pray all day long, but are we, are we, just, are, do we, are we available? Am I? Um, and if this story tells us anything, gosh, you all, can, can you not read, we can't read this story and not go, okay, whoa, God is in control. And you and I have appointments on our calendar next week. I know you do. But if the story tells us anything, God has planned your calendar before you ever took your first appointment. And there are appointments on your calendar that you and I don't plan or we're not, we're not foreseeing, but God in his sovereignty is putting someone in front of you. And let me say it this way. He's not putting that person in front of me. And he's actually not putting that person in front of the person sitting, do you see this? God has people that I will be in front of and you will be. Wow, message, messenger, message. Let me hit the miracle very quickly, 36 to 40. And as they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, exclamation marks are, you know, literally, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? This next verse is not in the oldest manuscripts, but it's thoroughly biblical. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We think that's a baptismal formula that early church used because it's very, it's like, this is a phrase they would use is probably what this is, but not in the early manuscripts, but still true. And he ordered the chariot to stop. Who ordered the chariot to stop based on the sentence? As best we can tell. Tell me, who ordered the chariot to stop? Who? Yeah, how about that? wasn't Philip, it was the unit. He's, he's by golly, we, I'm getting baptized, you know. Stop the train, you know, he pulled the cord. 
ordered the chariot stop, they both went down into the waters, enough water for them to get in, uh, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. It's the same word used as raptured, you know. There's something miraculous probably going on here. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way rejoicing. Do you remember what Rob said in Samaria? He used that, he said, look at this. The church is scattered, but notice what word keeps popping up. Rejoicing, rejoicing. Well, there it goes again. He's rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus. As he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Philip finds himself 20 miles north of Gaza. So what's the miracle? Well, here's the miracle. No surprise. This man put his faith in Christ. Uh, This man has experienced the miracle of salvation. There is no greater miracle. Okay, there's no, I mean, if, you know, I'm just telling, there's no greater miracle than salvation that a man or a woman or child believes Jesus died in their place and rose again and they trust it. That's the miracle. Now, Luke has brought us full circle. Do you know how the story began? They were preaching the gospel. So he goes, and then they have, and then how does the story end? They were preaching the gospel. See, it's got a little bow around it, doesn't it? It's a beautiful story. I mean, really, does, does that still happen today? See, this is a question we ask, isn't it? I think it does. Now, I'm gonna show you a video. I didn't even know this existed. In November, at our Franklin congregation, they did baptisms. And here's a story from that baptism. And I didn't even know about it. Someone came to me early in the week and said, hey, this is really interesting in light of what you're teaching. And so I want you to see this story of what God is doing in our midst. I had a good childhood and great parents. I grew up believing in God, but I didn't know much about him. As I grew older, I felt as if something was missing in my life, and I had several, and I had several friends that I knew had a relationship with Christ. There was just something about them, some kind of peace and confidence. I wanted to have that. Uh, I, I'm going to add a little here, but I, I went through some hard times uh, later in my life, one of the hardest times of my life, and um, I know now that God was there. And um, in every step of that, there was just a weight on my shoulders that I didn't know why I was there. And then after this, I I realized that he's the one that was there carrying me through that. Uh, I started going to church with my best friend, James, and it was was good. But I still wasn't getting a clear message. Uh, James was a big help in my first steps towards Jesus. He even got me an application Bible, which was much easier to read than my old one. <laughs> uh, then I met Rita, now my wife. Uh, and she was a believer. She knew I was searching and asked me where I was in my relationship with God. And I didn't really have a good answer. Uh, at the time, Rita lived in South Korea and I lived here. Um, so that kind of made it a little challenge, but uh, God used Rita and a six-hour Skype conversation to bring me to Him. <laughs> One night over Skype, she had me going all over the Bible, pointing out different verses. God was telling her the right ones because I, I would have a question that I didn't voice. It was just in my head. And the very next verse, she would guide me to would answer that question. 
was amazing. This happened several times during this conversation. After six hours and a lot of tears, I got down on my knees and gave myself to Jesus right there. I told him I was a broken sinner and I couldn't truly live without him. I truly believed at that point that Jesus had died for my sins, defeated death, and through him is my salvation. Since September 29, 2016, it has been a great journey, learning and growing closer to Jesus. I now, I now truly have that peace and confidence that I saw so distinctly in my friends. Thank you, God. Amen. Skype evangelism. I love it. Who'd have thought, right? Uh, you know, man, I know that was hard for you to get all that down into just one card because we journeyed through that a couple of weeks ago. And I know there's a lot more to that story. And Rita is going to read an encouragement and blessing over you. I know some of that will come out as well. And we're just praising God for what he's done in and through you already through that. Jeremy, I remember the first time uh, that God spoke to me about you. I was recalling the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and I was struck at how much you resembled the Ethiopian in the spirit. So the next Sunday, I resolved to tell you that I found you in the Bible. And I had heard that you were reading the Bible on your own, but I also saw how unsure you were of who Jesus was. And um, who would know that about a month later, between two continents, God would open the door for us to discuss the gospel during that that conversation that you talked about. Uh, I felt God say, lay it out, Rita. Just lay it out. And so I obeyed, and I was like, I'm going to lay it out. <laughs> Which was only confirmed to me that I was hearing God when you said, Rita, the problem is, I know what people say about Jesus, but not what Jesus actually says about himself. And so just like Philip and the Ethiopian, I got my Bible out, and you got yours, and we looked at who Jesus said he was. And it was an amazing moment because just like you said, I saw those unvoiced questions get answered and I was rusty. I was just kind of skimming through Romans and picking things out. So I know it was God talking to him and, and to me too. So six hours later, he was my brother in Christ and eight months later, my husband. <laughs> so I think um, we've come full circle. Um, the Ethiopian said, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And so Philip baptized him. And there's nothing that prevents you, Jeremy. So be baptized. Grow strong in the Lord, for he has redeemed you in ways that exceed above and beyond what you could have asked or thought. It's like, um, I don't know about you, but do you not just go, are you kidding me? That happens? Well, yeah, that happens. I said earlier that persecution got the church out of Jerusalem. Now, the question is, what, what got the church beyond Judea to the rest of the world? And I said, I said, if we get it, understanding this answer would change your life more than a lifetime of sermons. Let me give you the answer, okay? The answer to that question is God's people will take God's message to the ends of the earth by sharing that message with each person God puts right in front of them. That's, that's it. I, I, I can't, I don't know how to I improve that sentence because that's what's true. God, 
God's people will take God's message to the ends of the earth by sharing the message with each person God puts right in front of them. So, so how does that change my life? Well, I'll tell you this, it won't. It won't change your life until you open your mouth. So you can know that forever, but I'm just gonna tell you until you open your mouth and, and say something about Jesus, then no, it won't change you. But I'm gonna tell you something. Open your mouth, tell someone about Jesus, and you will never be the same. I'm just telling you, this is what's true, that it's not that what you say change, only changes them. I assure you, it will change you in ways that you, you will never be the same. Okay, so, so what? You know, we ask, so what? We don't do that with like a so what. We go, so what? Because, because we can, so, okay, that's what that says. That's what does it mean. What, what does that mean? It's a recognition that we never come to this Bible, you all, and we say, we just wanna know more about God. We want to know more about it. No, no, no. We've gotta come to the Bible and say, what we know, we wanna live. I'm just telling you, that's, you gotta make, the connection's gotta go, here's what I know and here's how I'm gonna live. Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna trust God for. There is no one in this room today by accident. I don't know all of you in the room by any means, but I'm just telling you, there's no one sitting here today that is not here for any lesser reason, any lesser reason than God himself as he took Philip, put him on a deserted road, put a chariot next to him with a man reading from Isaiah at the exact moment in time I'm just telling you that's why you're here today. According to the Bible, you're here for a reason. So, if you have never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never said, I put your confidence that I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, he was buried and rose again and he did it for me. If you've never done that, can I say to you, why not, why not? You're here, you've just heard it said. And if that's true to you, then believe. How about this? It may be a number, like a number of adults last week baptized as infants. I'm not slamming any church or theology or anything. I'm just saying what we believe is that the Bible says baptism is for a believer, that baptism is symbolic of the fact that someone has come to faith in Jesus, Jesus has saved them, and the baptism's a picture of that to publicly proclaim it. And some adults last week were baptized because they were baptized as infants, and, and they thought, you know, I, I wanna be baptized as a, it's not, it doesn't make you a Christian again. You've been a Christian the whole time, but it's, I wanna follow the Lord in this step of obedience. Um, you're here today, why not? How about this? There may be one person in the room who came to faith years ago. And you know, really, when you came to faith, that you, you learn, someone, it was so interesting. Eli Ray, the razor, Eli came up and asked me in between services, he said, Mr. Shadrach, tell me about your baptism. And I told him. And I told him that I came to faith and, 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 and I, it was a year or so before I was baptized because I didn't know. No one told me that, you know, you're, you, I knew I was saved, but no one told me, you know, that one of the first steps of obedience is to be baptized. That's how Jesus said we're to do it. And we see the book of Acts. So, I told him, you know, it was a year or so later that I, that, I, that I was baptized. Well, somebody made you in the room and you go, you know, I need to be baptized. Well, a couple weeks went by and you go, I, I need to be baptized. A couple months went by, a couple years. And the truth of the matter is, there's, there are some of us in the room who, 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 who are saved. You put your faith in Christ, but you never follow the Lord in baptism. And you know what? It's been 20 years or 19 or six. I don't know. Why not follow the Lord in baptism? I'm gonna ask the band to come out, Carl, if the team would come out because we're gonna sing a song in a moment and, 
Again, you know, this is, we, we, we know that the Bible's not meant to inform us, but transform us. It changes us when we live it. And, um, oh, look, water, water. What would prevent anyone in this room from being baptized right now? Ooh, now you're going, oh, 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 it was funny. A minute ago, it was funny. <laughs> oh my, you all. Lord, are you serious? I could not be more serious. How do we read this passage? And not throw some water on the stage. Say, so you wanna be baptized? Do it now. I'm very serious. We've, we've, we have, uh, we've done everything we can to help you be baptized today because no one came to this church today expecting to be baptized. And so we bought T-shirts and shorts back there, black T-shirts, black shorts, towels. We got little changing tents in the back. Only thing we don't have is underwear. I'm just going, look, we can, if you want to get in the water, look, the Ethiopian, he went away wet, whatever. Um, so, you know, you, you, can, you can follow the Lord in, in baptism today. You absolutely can. Uh, there is a team over here. Look, there's a team over here. There's like five or six people in this back room that all you gotta do is come up and, and tell them I'd like to be baptized and they're gonna ask you two questions. Have you placed your faith in Christ? Have you put your trust in Christ? Can I say that again? Have you put your trust in Christ? And if you have, but you've not been baptized, then be baptized. If you're, if you're a child, bring your mom or dad with you, please, because we wanna make sure on that. And the second question they're gonna ask you is, do you, are you coming to be baptized so that you can identify, baptizo, baptism, identify with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? And if you say yes, you know, we're, then we're gonna, we're gonna baptize you. We're gonna baptize you right now. There's only one person in this story that could have kept that Ethiopian from being baptized. Who was it? Who was it? Himself. Y'all, I am not, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not trying to twist any arms, but I'm inviting you to trust the spirit in you. It could be nobody, it's okay. But I'm gonna trust the spirit in us, in you, in our community of faith, that if you wanna make that choice today, you're gonna, you're gonna come. You're just gonna do it. Now let's stand together because we're gonna sing a song. And, and um, as we sing, I want you to think about this because there's, there's application for everybody here. It's not just someone gets baptized. What's the application for you personally? You know, there's application for you. But we're gonna sing this song and we're gonna say the words that the Ethiopian believed. And we're gonna say 30 times, I believe, I believe, I believe. Let me tell you something in the corner of the Bible. We change when we say, I believe and I trust. See, it's never just I believe, it's I believe and I will. It's I believe and I choose. Are you with me? See, so as we sing, let our I believe move to, and I think God's moving me this, and whatever that may be, and choose. There is nothing more important. And someone came to me after the service, last service, and said, Super Bowl doesn't hold a candle to this. And that's the truth. I'm telling you people, Super Bowl holds no candle to what God would do. And um, please, please may I say, I'm way into the Super Bowl, you know, I am, guy golly. 
but we are, we are into the name that's above all name. Let us lift our voice. If you wanna come, just come on. Come on down and, and we will baptize you today.